technology shapes and influences every aspect of our lives today, and we're only beginning to scratch the surface of understanding how it will radically change the way we live and work in the future. Coming up... We've heard these comments that 5G is not another G, 5G is changing the way people do business, but really, what, what's so different about 5G? And, and I think part of it is just the distributed architecture yeah. that 5G brings to light. Yeah. And I think we've got a lot of expectations now from not only consumers with wanting faster speeds and you know the normal stuff you would expect, but also from now enterprises who are looking at wanting to incorporate, can I say, connectivity as part of a solution. Yes. You're listening to the Future Rhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth, a Nokia original series. Welcome to a special edition of Futurhythmic, a three-part companion podcast to my new ebook, An Introduction to SaaS in a 5G World. The key to 5G success is its higher speeds, enhanced mobile broadband, ultra-reliable low-latency communications, and machine-type communications. These features require automation, and the key to success is software as a service. Fortune Business Insights predicts the overall SaaS market will hit 716 billion U.S. dollars by 2028. CSBs will be a part of a market growing more than 27% a year. While SaaS is commonplace in many industries, communications service providers are only now seeing it as a natural evolution to everything as a service. Two of the world's heavyweights in software as a service sat down together to discuss deploying SaaS at the communications service provider level, why SaaS is critical to 5G's success, and what hurdles there are to SaaS adoption. Carl Whitelock is a VP at IDC, leading the operations and monetization global practice. And Mark Bunn leads the SaaS business for Nokia Cloud and Network Services. He began the conversation by defining SaaS. Software as a service, by definition, is a service. It's typically thought of as an application or a product, but when it's provided as a service, then we just refer to it in our vernacular as a service. Uh, it, it delivers a business outcome. Now, all applications are supposed to deliver a business outcome, but the mo most important point here is from the perspective of the consumer of the service, that they are getting some kind of meaningful value. Uh, questions that we typically get asked in our industry, like um, what cloud uh, are you running on, aren't quite as important as how reliable is this service that you're providing me. So you have to think about the business, the, the business outcomes from the consumer perspective. Um, it's often offered as a subscription, so we're pretty yeah. familiar with that in our, yeah. in our industry. Uh, doesn't have to be solely or exclusively a subscription. There could be some utilization usage components to it. Um, certainly needs to be underpinned by technology that is contemporary cloud-native technology. That's how we are able to scale the, the, the service itself, and, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in the course of our discussion. Um, in the ideal state, in the mature state, it's offered as a fully digitalized business experience. You can think in terms of a, a, a digitalized channel where someone could navigate and even order the service based on, you know, a trial that they've spun up just by, you know, on demand and then eventually chose, yes, I, I want to use that service. And probably most important is the service lifecycle, the, the software, the product service 
is managed on behalf of the consumer of the service by the one providing the service, the full life cycle. So things like patching, upgrades, that just happens automatically from the perspective of the consumer. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, I think it is. And I think the other aspect of this question is, is why is, if I'm a service provider, Mm -hmm. communication service provider, why is this so important for me right now? Yeah. Why should I be interested in this? Yeah. I'm sure that we're going to talk about it in a lot of detail, but can you give us a high level kind of why is this so important right now? Yeah, I, I, I can. I, and I think it, I actually think this has been important for some time. Um, it's really started with the whole network functions virtualization movement, it, which started down the path of yes. separating, disaggregating the, the hardware and the software. And that made the software much more manageable from, from the point of view of, of operations and, and automating the operations as well as you know, scaling the, the, the applications themselves. And then that naturally kind of evolved into cloud nativeness. And cloud nativeness at a high level was about uh, breaking down the monoliths in our applications, separating them into terms we like to use, like microservices that have their own independent life cycles, can be managed independently. And again, that improved the automation of, of, the, of the, um, the application, the service itself. And then to me, and cloud adoption has obviously factored in here, but to me, the next logical step is to get to true software as a service, where the full life cycle of that product or that service is managed by software. So in yeah. its in its most mature state, Carl, you know, software as a service is about software that is delivered but managed by software, and that that software that's managing it is automation software. And that is built by humans, of course, but it is a little different from the way we tend to think about as a service today, which is about software and hardware that's managed by, by people. Okay. Does that make sense? So it does. And so, so let me play back something that I think you said here that's, that's important in my mind. And that is that the network is becoming cloudified or, um, you know, virtualized, uh, and we've we've got these virtualized the VNFs and the CNFs now that's coming about. That's what you meant by coming from the NFE world, right? Yeah, that's right. So um, we're not there yet, right? We still got a ways to go from the network side of things. For sure. But then let's talk about all of the operations aspects of this. Is that where things are really still in a infancy state? Yeah, I mean, in the when we talk about software as a service, yeah, in general. It's a mainstream idea, depending on what industry you're talking about. Okay. Certainly not our industry. In, in our industry, I'd like yep. to characterize it as, as still relatively nascent. But mm-hmm. I think there's some areas where software as a service is acceptable, if not even in demand. Uh, one area that we've seen over the last few years of, of you know, transformation is in this whole CX, what we sometimes in our vernacular terminology, we call the BSS layer, right. but that, that CX order to cash process well, that's been moving to a software as a service or software on demand model for some time now. Right. And I think what's going to follow suit is billing makes sense. Um, I think there are other types of applications, though, that are adjacent to you know those order to cash systems like analytics that I think would be prime examples of something that could be provided and consumed as software as a service today. Uh, security management, security assurance, I think those would be good good examples of uh, something that would be applicable for the CSP need and something acceptable for the CSPs to consume on demand. Network management 
Um, as you get further down the stack, closer to the network, you know, maybe there's a little bit of discomfort still on accepting as true software as a service, this on-demand right. capability, but the technology exists to be able to provide it. Right? Yeah, and and I, I, I follow that a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of folks that are still trying to understand the difference between what SaaS is used for, let's say, in the in the general enterprise space or in that, that uh, you know, that, that customer retail side of things. I think it's one thing to um, have your uh, CPQ or uh, order management or like like we were saying earlier, billing. I think those, because there's so much touch to the customer, you want to be able to be able to do things quickly, make adjustments, do things quickly again, see where things fit. In fact, I can give you an example in the retail sector, one I'm familiar with a a few years ago. I mean, mean, yeah, so we're talking several years ago in in the retail sector. Um, there was this competitive process going on between two large retailers and it was in the clothing world of all things. And uh, they came out, one came out with a super way to attract customers. By the end of the day, their competitor had caught up. That's how fast things change in that world. But now you take and apply that same logic down into the communications uh, infrastructure stack, if you want to call it. And there are certain things, like you said, that can be done at the top layer and the sides and, you know, as we kind of drill down into the network. But I think we ultimately, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's this vision that that's where we've got to get. We've got to get it all there, right? Yeah, that's right. Still to come in segment two of our special three-part series, how does SAS fuel 5G? And how does 5G fuel SAS? You're listening to a special edition of Futurhythmic.